Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock with the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm here with my friend, Dr. Jamie Wells. She is a board-certified physician and the director of medicine at the American Council on Science and Health. Dr. Wells graduated from Yale University with honors, and she's been named a New York super doctor by the New York Times. Pretty impressive. Um, Jamie is also a visiting fellow at the Independent Women's Forum. So thanks for joining me today, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about an issue that's very important to a lot of women, particularly moms, obviously, the issue of breastfeeding. Um, mm -hmm. I am the mother of three children, and I breastfed all three of them, and so this is an issue I have a lot to say about. But you wrote an excellent piece for IWF um, when it comes to infant nutrition nuance uh, matters, not politics. Um, this is a really important piece um, and something that I feel strongly about. It's kind of um, surround, it's, it's, it sort of surrounds the issue of not only the pressure that we as women and moms put on each other to breastfeed, but there's pressure coming from not only sort of government agencies, but now international agencies. Um, last week was the World, with the World Health Organization um, hosted World Breastfeeding Week, um, and they used that week to announce a new report um, that they are urging, basically the WHO is now urging women to start breastfeeding an infant within moments of birth. And they say in order to avoid increased risk of death of the baby. Um, this is yet another <laughs> pressure point put on new moms um, and moms who do want to breastfeed. I think it's a little bit silly. And you wrote about this. So tell us a little bit about the issue and what, you, what your perspective is. Um, well, the first thing I would say is my perspective is the, they're doubling down on policies that they do every year. And every year we're seeing that there's not a country in the world that has met the standards that they're setting forth. So this idealized metric has unintended adverse consequences that just do not get reported at all in the media. It has become an ideological battle more than one that reflects medical realities. Breastfeeding is wonderful, but we know that breastfeeding is not uh, the right choice for every single woman or every single circumstance. You can appreciate that breastfeeding is something that we should support, and you can also appreciate at the same time that formula plays a role and has additionally saved lives. Understanding yeah. both of those things does not make you anti-woman, anti-baby, or anti-family. Not understanding those things, um, I would say, is really myopic in view in terms of being supportive of families and their well-being. How you feed a baby is not the only way that you make a child develop uh, well and uh, into adulthood, being able to thrive, independent, adaptable, and well-adjusted. There are many well, issues and factors that contribute to the overall development of a baby and child. Well, I just want to drill down on two things here. First of all, tell sure. me, as a medical doctor, tell me, mm -hmm. what, what are some of the things that can prevent a woman from breastfeeding within moments of birth? And secondly, what are some of the things mm -hmm. that can happen to a newborn baby you know, in the process of being born and right after being born that prevents that baby from feeding within 10 minutes. I mean, again, this is one of these rules that then if a woman goes, has, and I know you're, I've asked you to talk about those complications, sure. but it, 
it adds to the guilt. So if a woman, you know, maybe can't breastfeed till the next day, I mean, it, it's going to make her feel terribly guilty. Oh my gosh, I didn't breastfeed within 10 minutes. But talk about the very common complications that occur during birth. Okay. Sure. Uh, there are many uncommon ones, and then there are, very, there are a lot of common ones. For example, with a C-section, babies routinely have delayed transition. Because you don't go through the vaginal canal, you miss out on some of the some of the benefits of that experience. So babies can require a little support with oxygen. Uh, they might need other respiratory support. Feeding a baby in that moment, if a baby is struggling to breathe, would put them at risk of aspiration, which can lead to a negative chain reaction of untoward effects. So you need to really understand if mom has had an emergent section or there's been a complex vaginal birth where she, um, you know, has been sedated. Those medications can be, you know, these high degrees of narcotics that can be used. Or if a mom had to experience general anesthesia for a birth, those would be things that immediate uh, feeding wouldn't necessarily can suppress the respiratory drive of a baby. So there are many reasons. Moms could be, it could be a mom who has significant history of postpartum depression, and it might be something that's too stressful for that experience. Yep. Having, um, giving the, having the ability to supplement with formula is not uh, evil, and it is not yep. the worst thing in the world, and, and we need to start having common sense discussions around those facts. Well, you know, and also, um, yeah, I, I have to say I, I was so um, sort of, <laughs> if, to use a, a common phrase today, I was so <laughs> triggered when I saw this, and I'm not, I'm kidding, I'm not triggered by things, but when I saw this, you know, uh, you know we now need to, to urge women to uh, give birth within, or breastfeed within 10 minutes, it really did kind of irritate me because um, I have had major complications um, with the births of my children. With my first, I had an epidural, and unbeknownst to me, I was allergic to the narcotic in the in the um, mm. in the epidural, and had one of those re- narcotic those allergic reactions where I was itching, but to a point that I was I was actually in danger of scratching myself raw, and had to be given mm-hmm. Narcane, which they now give nar- you know they give Narcane to people who've overdosed. So Narcane I was on a three day drip of Narcane, and that delayed my milk because you know that just that does, and and so well, I had it it, it slowed down everything essentially, that- yeah. C-sections and, and medications and things can prolong uh, the introduction yeah. of milk production. Right, so right. what and, you don't and, want and, is a baby getting dehydrated or um, what mom ingests and mom's state of being is what baby will ingest. So if mom is profoundly but, dehydrated, baby will be dehydrated. If but what that, I, yeah, but, what, but, my, but my reaction after reading too many baby blogs and too many what, mm. what to expect when you're expecting and to read, and I read too many of these <laughs> opinion pieces where people were saying, like, you have to breastfeed or your child's going to be delayed, like developmentally delayed, or your child's going to have problems. Breastfeeding is magic. It's the only thing you can do. I actually would not allow them to give the baby formula for that first day because I was so intent on breastfeeding. And eventually the doctor came in and had a very serious conversation about me and said, and corrected a lot of my misconceptions. And so you think there can actually be bad uh, results of telling women that it's paramount that they breastfeed within 10 minutes. And, and in, in my case, I, I consider myself a pretty smart person. I was unwilling. I was very stubborn about it because I believed what I had read. So let's, let's move on. I want to move on about this um, uh, this resolution, this uh, this uh, 
the Trump administration recently was at the UN and they objected to um, a World Health Organization. I, I guess it was uh, a resolution stating that all countries should push breastfeeding exclusively over alternate nutrition sources like formula. Now, the Trump administration got a lot of blowback from this. Uh, you, uh, you, this was also in your article that you wrote that you talked about the New York Times headline was predictably overwrought, saying opposition to breastfeeding resolution by U.S. stuns world health officials, right? And, of course, the narrative was that the Trump administration, you know, hates babies, ha- hates breastfeeding, is just in the can for the formula lobby, right? Tell Tell us a little. There's a much more nuanced than that, and I, I, if, I wish you could tell. I hope you can tell us a little bit about that issue. Well, one of the things I could say to you is stop reading when it came to your birth and things. Listen to a doctor who knows your health history, the baby's health history, and the entire family yep. dynamic. You know, yep. uh, with regard to the Trump administration, they were correct, and in fact, I wish they'd even pushed back more. It's time we have an actual discussion on this issue. Uh, the issues surrounding breastfeeding and formula and doing so exclusively, number one, the World Health Organization lumps in in their talking points breast milk substitutes. So they're lumping in formula with honey or sugar water. Uh, some cultures will give honey or sugar water, and that can be dangerous for a baby in the early period, especially because sugar water, for example, will fill them up with no nutritional value. That is right. very different than formula which uh, formula can come ready-made. And one of the things with regard to formula that we do know is, for example, the United States is extremely highly regulated uh, with regard to formula. So we know exactly what the caloric um, ingredient is within every ounce of that formula. Whereas if a mom is severely malnourished, that breast, she will make breast milk, but it might not be sufficient for the baby. So part of the problem is, you have well intentions, which is which is great, but a lot of times the well intended lead to adverse consequences. So, in areas of natural disaster, in areas of developing nations where they don't have where they have contaminated water, uh, one of the things about ready made formulas it tends to be more expensive. So, in the U.S. and other places throughout the world, they tend to pick and purchase the powdered formulations, which require water for reconstitution. If you use contaminated water, there's a risk of that. If you use water that's not contaminated uh, and is properly reconstituted at the ratio that is recommended, that is completely sufficient to feed a baby and nurture a baby. And the problem is when people will not follow that ratio and they will overwater and dilute the formula so that it would last longer. And those are other issues. So instead of... um, and so what I would prefer all the this money that they want devoted to uh, pushing at all cost breastfeeding campaigns in every single nation, which have very different uh, issues within the U.S. is very different as opposed to the U.S. compared to other countries throughout the world. Um, the London College of Midwives uh, had to go as far as saying not to shame mothers if they choose to bottle feed a baby. I mean, shaming anybody. There, there are women who have sudden a sudden death of a spouse and have four children to take care of. There are women who um, have are on chemotherapy and toxic uh, nursing would be toxic to their infant, and that can happen in any place in the world. There are biological reasons. So the World Health Organization, the Global Breastfeeding Collective, which is also composed of UNICEF, encourages in almost all difficult situations, especially quote unquote exceptionally difficult circumstances, for women to breastfeed at all costs. And that is just kind of missing the point. Pushing a mother into postpartum psychosis does not benefit a family. 
mothers have more than one child. Mothers have health issues. Mothers have supportive issues that they have to deal with. It is a wonderful thing, breastfeeding, but there's a misperception like you described that you felt that if you breastfeed, you are guaranteed a Yale admission and no childhood illnesses. And that is just not how the real world works. That's what works in theory, but not in practice. And I can't even tell you how many times I've encountered children or babies who've had ear infections and the response is, but I breastfed. I don't understand. How can they have an ear infection? It just doesn't work that way. There are breast, as I said, breastfeeding is a great choice if it is appropriate for that family. Having the ability to supplement is a wonderful thing. We should feel blessed that we actually have formula, an alternative when we are in situations where breastfeeding is just not possible. So I think we need to have actual honest conversations about the medical realities. The other thing that the World Health Organization pushes profoundly is the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, which is a whole list of things that um, they encourage hospitals to comply with. And it's become more of a status thing than it necessarily is a beneficial thing, in my opinion. Hospitals will attain this breastfeed, this baby-friendly hospital initiative certification or whatever you want to call it. And what happens then is that they encourage rooming in 24 hours a day uh, with the baby. Um, I also am kind of opposed to the breastfeeding hospital-friendly initiative, um, breast baby-friendly hospital initiative, mainly because... It implies that other hospitals that don't uh, necessarily comply with every single one of those standards are anti-baby, which they are not. There are wonderful people who work in every one of these facilities, but they encourage rooming in, the baby rooming in with the mother 24-7 in the hospital. Now, that has been taken to extremes. Hospital systems have used that as a perverse incentive to truncate nursing staff, and we know that their postpartum experiences, moms need to be observed very closely, especially if they have underlying illnesses. When you're so preoccupying with other things, um, minimal staff to begin with, uh, you're kind of missing the boat. You want mom to thrive. You want baby to thrive. You want the whole situation to thrive. There was a woman in Oregon who was on Vicodin and Ambien after a C-section and a nurse brought in her baby to breastfeed in the middle of the night while the woman was groggy and unaware. She wound up smothering her baby to death and she's suing the hospital. And these are... You know, she may very well have a case with regard to that. So we need to use some common sense in it. If a mother is not completely alert and lucid, giving her her baby unattended is probably not the most advisable thing. Uh, the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative also encourages no pacifiers. We know that pacifier usage can reduce the incidence of SIDS. So, you know, guidelines are great, but then there's also the dynamic realities and the innumerable nuances that occur between the individual and the individual families. Well, that is uh, just a, an awful, just totally tragic story, and I agree she probably does have a good case, but, you know, we see this in hospitals quite a bit now. Um, I remember a couple years ago uh, when Bloomberg was mayor of New York, he also instituted some rules where if a woman wanted to formula feed, um, there was a big process she had to go through. There was paperwork to be filled out. The nurses couldn't just simply go get formula and bring it back to the room. They, again, had to sort of question her, fill out a form. The, the formula was locked up as if it was Oxycontin. It was ridiculous. It's also been this narrative push that there's nipple confusion, which is something yeah. that is if you give an artificial nipple from a bottle versus the breast nipple, then a baby's going to be so not confused true. that they're not going yeah. to know what to do. And the reality no, is, no. is that babies and nature have certain checks and balances that a baby will not permit itself to starve to death. Yeah, because no, exactly. Because it's sucking yeah. on a 
artificial versus uh, well, you know, and, and I exper- I experienced that too. I actually had to use um, a, a, a sort of what are, I can't even remember what they're called anymore. It's been so many years since I breastfed, but it's sort of a cover that goes over the, the woman's nipple, and it it actually a nipple kind shield. of a nipple shield. Thank you, and it was um, it mm-hmm. was really helpful um, to give me a little bit of protection, but also. Um, my first son, he, he was, he just had trouble really latching and the nipple shield actually made it a little bit better for him to, to latch on. And it was unbelievable. The minute I had so much trouble, so much trouble, so much trouble and had all these, you know, lactation specialists coming in and trying to help me. And then I'm not kidding you. A, a woman on the ward said, have you tried a nipple shield? And she, and the, the, the lactation specialist said, no, 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 we have to do it naturally. We have to do it naturally. And I had my husband, they would not give me one. And I had my husband go to Target, get one. I'm not kidding. It's like he smuggled it into the hospital. And immediately my son latched perfectly. And I used those throughout his, eventually I was able, like around three months, when he was a little bit bigger and stronger, I didn't need it anymore. But it's, it was unbelievable how my, my intuition, my instincts were telling me, I think I want to try this. And I was discouraged, discouraged, discouraged to go this natural way. And they, they, the lactation specialist kept telling me, you know, if you do formula, um, and you do these nipple shields, then he'll never latch naturally onto you because he'll be confused. So yes, I had so much experience. This is why I love this issue because I had such a um, I had a tough experience uh, both with you know well, having I children. Clarify, and- I want to clarify one thing for all women. A hundred percent of women uh, are feel the way you do, especially first time arounders. <laughs> right. They expect right. that because they've been taught so much that they should feel like one with nature and God spoke through them for minute one of breastfeeding. And it's just not the right. case for most women. It is typical for bre- all you have is colostrum, which is all you need in the first right. you know, few days, especially with a C-section a little later. Um, and that readies the gut of the baby to receive the breast milk. And that has the appropriate protein and nutrients fat that it requires. And then when the breast milk comes in, that has the hydration that's necessary. So it is very typical for baby, for mom to feel, you know, the baby sucks for a few minutes, falls asleep. You stimulate the baby, sucks for a few minutes, falls asleep, stimulate the baby. You're doing this again in another two hours. You're doing this over 24 hours. Yep. A lot of people haven't done a residency, so they don't know from sleep deprivation. And they think they have common sense, but then they realize not anymore because they're overwhelmed. There's so many yeah. compounding factors to it. And women don't typically hit their stride with breastfeeding. I always say that if they can make it past like the first couple of weeks, then yeah. they will succeed in breastfeeding. But most women yeah. won't say they hit their stride with breastfeeding until about four to six weeks um, after birth of the baby. That's and exactly right. That's the, no- that's the norm. And I think people need to understand that because there shouldn't be any guilt. We've lost such sight by focusing on such absolutes, which in the reality are basically about assuaging general anxiety, which people yeah, have. Yeah, We've yeah. lost the joy of the experience. Yeah. And, you know, that should be the focus, not this preoccupation. A thriving infant will create a thriving mother, which creates a thriving family. And that should be the goal. Well, I agree with you. And I do think that when it comes to breastfeeding, we have, and, and not just individual women, but I mean, also sure. these international organizations have let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I mm-hmm. think that is a, a perfect uh, way to, to look at this issue that so often when you, when you have the WHO saying that, that countries should um, push breastfeeding exclusively. And when you say they, women need to breastfeed 10 minutes after birth, I mean, I, it's, it's just so insane. And, and it's such a, um, 
it's just such a, a strident position where that allows very little flexibility. And as a result, you have women who have babies and won't allow themselves any flexibility. At least that was that, the case with me. I mean, I will tell you, Jamie, by my third baby, I was like, get me my nipple shield and I want you to take the baby out so I can get some sleep. I mean, I was totally, and- I was a totally chill mom by the third, but that first time around was tough. What I, what I find fascinating is that there's no discussion in these campaigns about implementing public health infrastructures where they don't exist or they That's are right. in need of tremendous support, uh, creating water purification systems, infectious disease right. measures, educating yeah. people about dangers, signs of the infant, of signs of dehydration and starvation of the baby. These yeah. are extremely important because the same issues that they're concerned about that uh, are leading women uh, to struggle in terms of the issues of malnutrition. They're well aware of the contaminated water issues, the malnutrition problems, things like that. And focusing on those aspects of things are actually long-term solutions and would fix a tremendous amount of these issues. So I I always get frustrated. I always get frustrated when the world tries to get in the exam room or at the hospital bedside. And the reality is there are so many moving parts you know, years and years and years ago, infant and maternal mortality rates were so high, and they still are in different parts of the world in different segments of society. But there are reasons with medical advance and things that we know of why we've improved things tremendously over time, and we can't forget that. Right. So, well, this you know, is the thing. You know, I'm so glad that you brought that up. You know, I feel like when I look at this issue and when I, when I see these recommendations from the, the WHO, which seem to ignore the very complicated issues that many developing nations are dealing with like water purification and like nutrition um, and, and, and proper medical care. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it is, it seems like a little bit of a cart before the horse kind of thing um, where they have, a, you know, focusing on, like you said, water purification programs or, you know, education programs telling moms that, look, if you do not have a secure and safe and clean water supply, then you need to use already made, you know, uh, formula or, or you do, or, or maybe you need to try to breastfeed um, over, you know, using a powdered formula that needs to be reconstituted. Um, you know, those, you know, re- and explaining to, to women how important it is to have clean water supplies. It seems like those would be a much, much better sort of um, use of the funds that the WHO is giving out than just telling women, hey, breastfeeding is the best and, and it's magical and, you know, you need to do this at all costs. Um, so I hope that, um, I think, I, I really, I agree with you. I think the Trump administration did a, a good thing. I wish they would have pushed back harder, but man, the the outrage, and I saw, and the thing is, Jamie, I saw outrage from, from people who really have a good amount of common sense. I think it's just become so common now to criticize the Trump administration no matter what they do. Um, but I'm glad that there's people like you that are writing about this. And, and you know, I know you didn't, you, you know, you're not writing about it ex- exclusively to, to defend the Trump administration, but it really is good to remind people um, that the Trump administration was correct uh, in this area and, and that these international organizations really need to cut it out with this pressuring women um, on, on breastfeeding. Well, women are pressured in everywhere in different ways. I mean, our society shows Hollywood figures, you know, at their pre-birth weight, it, the instant after they oh, give birth. Yeah. And women think that that's a normal thing. And do you know what we see here? Sometimes women don't eat and breastfeed because they're so convinced that breastfeeding will lose that baby weight. And then yeah. what they 
wind up doing is inadvertently starving their infant. So the baby will lose and lose and lose. And then you discover mom's not eating a sufficient amount of calories to maintain herself and the baby. So, you know, applying a wide, a wide, painting a wide brush, honestly, on any medical issue, uh, politics shouldn't infect any of, of medicine. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Uh, I wish people could take that out of their lens and really look at what the actual issue is and look at the fact that no country has met these standards because there are reasons and those reasons need to be addressed. Refrigeration. I mean, there are just so many things that would be long-term sustaining that would be correctable issues that really feed so many aspects of society and they're not even discussed. Right. Well, listen, uh, Dr. Wells, Jamie, uh, it is always great to talk to you. You are such a wealth of information on these medical issues, and we really, really appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much, and I'm so impressed that you breastfed all three. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it was so long ago. It was such such a long time ago. Uh, Anyway, this has been a great conversation. By far... By far, one of my most fun podcasts. I can talk about this. Honestly, it's hard to. I, I feel like I could go on for another hour, but um, but we like to keep our podcasts pretty quick and, and short and sweet. So again, thank you, Dr. Wells, for joining us. Uh, this has been another edition of IWF's Working for Women podcast. For those who listen, thank you for your time. Please come and learn more and consider making a donation to support our work at iwf.org. And please visit iwf.org, where all issues are women's issues. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.